Welcome to Radical Shift, a new podcast series sponsored by Elevate Health of Pierce County, Washington, and One Pierce Community Resiliency Fund, a subsidiary of Elevate Health. This episode of Radical Shift features host Robert Marshall Wells, Director of Marketing and Communications for Elevate Health. Today's guest is Kim Bjorn, Director of Clinical Integration and Transformation for Elevate Health and a licensed clinical social worker and therapist. Now, here's our host, Robert Marshall Wells. Hello, I'm Robert Marshall Wells, host for this episode of Elevate Health's Radical Shift podcast. We have a little um, shift today <laughs> in that um, we're reversing roles. Our guest is Kim Bjorn, the Director of Clinical Integration and Transformation for Elevate Health here in Tacoma, Washington. And this is a little unusual because Kim is usually on the asking side of the questions yes. <laughs> as opposed to the answering side of the question. So this is going to be a lot of fun. As many of our listeners know, Kim is also the host of Elevate Health Community Care Conversations podcast, which we launched back in August 2021. And Kim has done a fantastic job um, engaging with movers and shakers in the community and talking about all sorts of important issues from behavioral health to homelessness to food safety to domestic violence to substance abuse disorders and all sorts of things. She's just um, a gem and uh, a gift to the community. So we are so happy to have her here today as our guest. And this episode is dedicated to a conversation um, that um, is ongoing in the community, and that is the need for social workers. And Mm -hmm. in fact, uh, March is Social Worker Month, which is why we have the the social worker, the person uh, to talk to about this. Um, Kim is a licensed practicing clinical social worker and a therapist in private practice. Um, and in many of the conversations she's had with guests, we've all wanted to hear more about her experience. So here's our opportunity. So, all right, Kimmy. Thank you for a great Great intro, by the way. Thank Uh you. (laughs) Thank you for being here, and thanks for doing this. So you're on the receiving end of questions. Um, So the first one, and and the obvious one, you've been doing therapy and social work for a long time. Mm -hmm. How and when and why did you get into um, this business? What's a nice girl like you going into (laughs) business like this? Well, I think if you talk to any social worker or any person that walks into a helping profession, usually um, it's it's a calling. It's definitely something that's part of your your character. And I, I think for me, um, I grew up in a very small town in upstate New York. And, um, you know, we all have things that happen in our lives and in our families. And um, just knowing that I often stood into a situation with people that, um, whether it's advocating for them or helping them. And so I always had that neat, that part of me, my mom was a nurse. Um, and then when I went off to school, trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up, you know, I had the opportunities of taking different courses and volunteering and, and I ended up working with, um, 
people with neurodiversity or special needs. And that was really the beginning of my um, occupation, per se, in my 20s. And and then eventually I did finish getting my degree at North Carolina State, where I got my BSW, and then moved out here. And I couldn't get a job anywhere working with kids because I didn't know anybody. And I ended up in a nursing facility. Mm-hmm. And I started, I started in long-term care and that really opened me up to medical social work. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get hired by the Franciscans back in 1998, where I started really, um, really figuring out my role and my niche. She was only six or seven years old at the time, <laughs> by the folks. Huh? Funny. <laughs> and then I went and got my master's at UW. And um, I really stayed with the Franciscans until I, I started to branch out. And then I, I was fortunate and took a position with Utah Medical Center for a period of time and then multi-care. And then I landed here at Elevate Health. Wow. So, Quite um, a journey. Yes. And then I, in the middle of that, back in 2016, I started a small private practice because I really wanted to do more clinical work because I was moving into more leadership positions and getting farther away from, from people. And so hence... The private practice part. <laughs> right, right. So you mentioned Elevate Health. So what is your role here at Elevate Health? And describe the work you do to help improve whole person health in our community. Well, Elevate Health, um, you know, we're, we're a small group, really, of, of people here. And so when I came in, um, I, I had a, a specific role really helping with um with looking at the one tenth one percent tax, and then um, I, they moved me into a director's role where I had more responsibility. So I, I do things. I think my main role is really connecting the community. Um, that's why I love doing the podcasts and getting to know people and getting to know their gifts and and bringing it to our community. Um, but I run meetings. You know, I, I work with the managed care organizations. I work with providers. I work with um, small agencies that are just, you know, you know, I, I'll see them in a meeting and go, I don't know you. And then I'll try to, you know, connect them into the big group because I think everybody needs to know our community. And I think right. the bigger communities have a bigger voice. I mean, bigger agencies have the bigger voice. And so I want to give the small the small ones a right. chance. Right. You're the one who gets the conversation going. You're the life of the party, if you will. Um it's a long list, I know, but could you give us some sense of some of the programs and community initiatives in which you're involved? Well, True Blood, True Blood Settlement, for those of you who are like, what the heck is True Blood? You can Google that. Um, but it is. Uh, it, it was a lawsuit. And so against this um, state of Washington and, and with those monies, um, we have different um services that are being provided to individuals. And so my role in that is making, is help connecting people. So it's, it's making sure I go to all the meetings. So I hear what's going on and figure out, Oh, where, where is that gap? And how, how can we come together as a community to fill that gap? And so um, the HCA um, is the, the folks, the healthcare, healthcare authority. Thank you. I had a little brain fart there, folks. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. Um, anyway, so they they kind of oversee us and um, oversee the um, ACHs, which is the Accountable Communities of Health, which is what Elevate Health is. Um, they actually give 
monies for us to be able to put into the community to help make those services happening. So right. that's part of our role. And these were, are for folks who were criminally justice mm-hmm. involved. Yes. Yes. And, you know, 95% of the people who are incarcerated end up back on yes. the street within five years. So these are people who are in need of assistance. Specifically those who have <clears throat> mental or um, chemical behavioral right. health overall right. issues. Right. So. right. Okay. <clears throat> so share with us, what do you think are some of the common myths or misperceptions about social work? People hear mm-hmm. social work and it tends to con- conjure all sorts of yes. ideas, but set the record straight for us. What What's the real deal? It's interesting. I think social work, people are getting to know us better. But when I worked in the hospital, whenever they go, well, we'll go get the social worker, they're like, I don't have kids. I think they perceive us as being the CPS worker. And God bless our CPS workers, by the way. Child Protective but, Services. Yes. CPS. Sorry, all the, all the acronyms. Um, but they think that we're the ones that come and take kids or we're the ones that are, um, you know, true social welfare in, in the sense of, um, you know, working, doing, a, you know, adult protective services, getting in there and connecting people to resources. And that is some of the roles that we do play and, and actually um, do well. But social work is really a, a broad um, spectrum of d- individuals that do many different things. Um, hence myself in the sense of I can have a private practice and do therapy with people, but there are lots of a need in our, um, just our community agencies that are w- working with, um, our Medicaid population and others are uninsured population, but even when you do have insurance, it's really hard sometimes to find somebody to help you. Um, in the hospital when I worked, you know, when when you're sick, you need somebody to help you get connected to resources. Mm-hmm. And so that's the social worker. We are really apt at um, connecting people to resources, understanding where they are and helping that person in their environment, figure out what they want for themselves. Because that's also a challenge sometimes is when other people want something done for somebody, but that somebody doesn't want it done. Right. And so really being connected to that person and just spe- you know giving them space to go, okay, what is your goal? Right. Where do you want to go? Let me see what I can do to- what resource, what supports you need to maybe make that first step instead of the 20 steps, maybe the family member wants them to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, it's a slow process and people um, generally when they're down, when they're frustrated, when they don't feel like they have the resources available, they don't know what the resources Mm -hmm. are. Um, it's a hard time right now out there. Right, right. You find people in vulnerable mm-hmm. places and try to help them get back on their feet, yeah. whatever that means. And you're a problem solver, right? Absolutely. Right? I, I call myself a professional problem solver. <laughs> <laughs> Your phone is going to be ringing off I know. the hook after well, this. Well, that's, that's the thing, you know, it's, and it, it's interesting because when you've, when you have jobs that I've had, and you have wonderful people that you work with. I've always stated that 
um, people are much more smarter and probably more nimble in doing some things than I am because when you become a leader, you get farther and farther away from the direct work. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some fantastic people out there. And um, at UW, I will say um, I was so impressed by the caliber of um, staff that I had because they have been working there doing, you know, all kinds of intensive interventions for people for a very long time. And then the School of Social Work being there and really helping them pull them in and giving them an opportunity to really learn some really specific skills that I think can easily be um, duplicated out in the community. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Radical Shift is a new podcast series produced by Elevate Health of Pierce County, Washington. Elevate Health's mission is to build and drive community coalitions that result in better and equitable health care for all in Washington State and beyond. For more information, visit elevatehealth.org. Well, speaking of the community, in your view, what are some of the the toughest issues that we're dealing with here in Pierce County? Mm. And by extension, Washington State, and some of these issues are national. So what, what's, what's going on out there that we should know about? Well, it's a big deal. You know, it, when I, you know, I've been here in Pierce County as a resident since 1997 is when I moved here from North Carolina. And I watched a lot of things change over that time. Um, you know, definitely much more influx of people. We have quite a um, variety of different cultures that live here right. um, and a huge array from um, socioeconomic needs. And so we have the very rich and then we have the very poor. And I do believe that we are in a unique state because we also are one of the um, areas that have the highest Medicare, Medicaid population as well as chronic disease issues. And so I don't think people realize how complex this county Mm -hmm. is. And so, um, and having the unique experience of working in the hospital system for as many years as I have, and now working more and more community-based, I really see where there's um, challenges in the gaps. Um, when you when you work from a hospital perspective, you know you're constantly trying to make sure people's needs are being met, getting them back home, um, and connecting them to those resources. But there is a population that can't be served in the community, and so they get stuck in the hospital. I think people are, would be very surprised to see that people live their weeks, months, up to years at times. That's a, that's a rare case, but it has happened because their their medical needs, because they don't have a good payer source, because they have behavioral health issues that are causing um, poor behaviors that are hard to manage. Um, those those folks aren't being met. So there's that's the most extreme, and those are the most expensive to our system all the way down to the people that are unfortunately houseless at this point and do not have, um, there are many reasons why people may be on the streets. You know, they, they could have resources, but they but they choose not to use them um, for different reasons. Um, they could not have any resources. Um, 
being offered options, but they have a dog or they have a partner. And so those resources aren't available to them because they're a limit. You know, Mm -hmm. they say you can only have this shelter if you leave your dog behind. And some people are just not willing to do that. Um, And then you have the working folks of us who are, you know, coming to a job, trying to do the best we can, but we are inundated by negativity. When I say negativity, I call COVID out. I call any kind of um, altercation that's happening, whether it be political or, um, you know, the war in, war in Europe right now. Um, all these stressors, all of them impact everybody's ability to function. Um, whether you are an active user of social media or listening to the news or if you choose to cut it out, that impacts everybody and that then lays on us as we go to work every day or we go and be with our kids every day or whatever that, that where we are in our work. And so all of these factors impact our community and our county and the surrounding us. So it's not an easy answer Mm -hmm. because I can also go into our schools right now and the complexities that we're seeing in schools with kids. Um, One and a half to two years where they really had um, modified learning, whether it be online, in-person, masked, distanced, all those pieces have impacted our kids' ability to develop. And that's for those who actually were able to engage with school at all. Some some school districts are reporting Kids just aren't there. Aren't there, exactly. They just have disappeared. So you think about those of us who are in professional careers and we were trying to juggle homeschooling our kids and doing work. Well, think about the person who has a, um, you know, a, a job in which they have to attend to. And if they don't show up, then they don't get to work. And those kids that are supposedly being homeschooled. I mean, there's so many different scenarios that our community has had to endure. And overall, in my opinion, I think kids have really been, there's a disservice in the sense of what has happened to them in the last two years from a developmental state, Mm -hmm. which is why I personally and my colleagues are seeing a huge influx in referrals for kids with anxiety, depression, and parents not knowing what the heck to do. And so that is a whole issue that is current that we are going to see, I, in my opinion, um, are, it affecting us years to come because these, these kids are, are got an imprint on them that they're going to have to work through and also be able to learn those skills again when yeah. they missed them in a certain development yeah. stage. Well, you you just addressed one of the questions I wanted to ask, which is why do we see mental health and behavioral mm-hmm. problems seem to be skyrocketing? And it has a lot to do with... I believe that. All the things that you just I mentioned. believe that. I believe the stress in general of our society right now... Um, I believe people have fallen into probably poor coping um, skills or what I call um, maladaptive coping skills. We might be using different chemicals more, whether it be um, alcohol or cannabis or anything else to help, you know, just dull or, or, you know, the stressors we're having. Um, We have people that have made life choices that they're not going to work 
in situations where they have before. And so we're seeing this shift in in workforce the where great people are not, right? not going to sustain that type of lifestyle anymore. Um, and so what is the outcome of that? I do think we're having a generational shift, you know, where, you know, I will say this, Gen X's, we know I'm a Gen Xer, you know, we, we have a, a certain quote unquote work ethic and we know this is, this is how you work. I mean, ask me, I have two freaking full job time jobs right now. <laughs> and so, and then there's, it's more like four folks, know, but yes. <laughs> but, but like looking, um, I think the younger generations are really looking at work-life balance in a much more um, healthy way. Healthier way, way right. Yeah, right. I was going to say sane, and then I decided not to use that word. Um, and so where some people get frustrated going, well, why don't do you have to work hard? You have to work. I'm like, you can work hard, but still have balance in your mm-hmm. life. Right. And so right. I think um, – I think we're going to see that shift. And so I don't think everything's negative. And okay. I guess that's why I wanted to kind of swing over this way. Okay. I think we're going to learn um, some really good balance. I think I think in my, my philosophy in life that certain things happen sometimes to force us to have balance. Got it. Okay. We'll be back with more of this radical shift discussion in just a moment. This episode is supported by One Pierce Community Resiliency Fund, the investment arm of Elevate Health. One Pierce is a nonprofit community investment fund focused on improving whole person health, advancing health equity, and expanding health access for the people of Pierce County. To learn more, visit us at onepierce.org. Social workers are unsung heroes in mm. many respects. I mean, I am amazed about often about the work that that they do in a variety of contexts. Um, can you explain who these individuals are and mm-hmm. the services they provide, just for those who don't have a clue? Yes. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about the word social work. Um, so social work is definitely um, a degree. I have a bachelor's in social work. I also have a master's in social work. You get a doctorate in social work. Um, there is a um, National Association of Social Work. We we are a body of individuals who are well trained and really look at systems and the in our environment and how do they all link together and how do we support the individual in that environment. However, there are a lot of people out there that would probably call themselves a social worker, even if they're not degreed or, um, you know, have you know, have a membership of such a, a group. Because social work is definitely um, social services, working with the community in a socially networked way. Um, people think of themselves, well, I'm, I'm a social worker. I'm, I work in social services. So you can have somebody who's a two-year degree person up to somebody who's well-educated. They may not quite have a quote-unquote social work degree, but they may have a human service degree. Mm-hmm. They may have, um, you know, sociology or something like that. Right. But they, they've moved into positions where they are really serving the community. They're serving individuals. They're helping people get connected to resources. Um, so I will say this. It's it's not, you know, I'm, I am a, you know, I'm an NASW member and I'm a social worker and I'm proud of it, but I'm also aware that... Um, 
people do identify in different ways. Mm-hmm. And, um, and really to me is like, if you're in alignment with the individual and you're really helping that person or that family or that system or that community, then yes, call you, call yourself a social, social worker. worker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If the shoe fits, wear it. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear the term workforce development a lot mm-hmm. in a lot of different contexts and a lot of different industries. Um, what's going on with regard to social work that makes finding people, holding on to people difficult these days? What's, what's know, going on there? I, I wish I, I knew. I mean, there's lots of prob- people out there that have def- you know, their own thoughts about this, and I don't have data right now to back it up. But um, I think we're looking at people going into the industry um, whether they're um, in school or you know they're they're looking for jobs, and so generally speaking, when you go into social work, it is not a job in which you are going to make a lot of money at. And so, if you are accruing a lot of debt from being in school and coming out into the community, where you start with community mental health, which is a general place, or um, working in a skilled nursing facility, which is where I started out at $10 an hour when I came out of school. Wow. Um, granted, that was 1997. It's a little better now. But but that's generally right. what you're looking at. You're right. looking at, oh, my gosh, I have these student loans in here. I, I don't have a job that's really going to help sustain mm-hmm. me at that level. Right. Um, so... People are becoming a little bit more specific on what they're willing to do. I think um, they're looking at jobs that can provide a higher pay. And so there's a lot of competition out there right now um, to get the best quality individual. And so obviously the more experience you have, if you're licensed or you're in the process of being licensed, the more options you have. So I I do think that's, that's a piece of it. I also think we just have a, you know, the, our community is growing. You know, we are constantly bringing people move here right. for lots of reasons. Right. And so we just don't have enough people yeah. <laughs> to serve the amount of people that need us. And so um, I do think that um, it's an ongoing conversation. Obviously, the state is stepping in to kind of go, what can we do to make make things um Better, you know, looking at how do how do we address this issue? Um, I know, you know, I'm as a licensed person. I do my, I, you know, I try to do my best by providing clinical supervision and those things to people that they need that so they can go to the next level. So right. you know, it's it's just it's a tricky time right now. Yeah, right, right. Um. In your opinion, and speaking for you, mm-hmm. what's the most rewarding part of being a social worker? Mm. Helping people. That's like a new, I mean, that's just helping. I mean, for me, whether it be, um, you know, the times in the hospital or even having a staff member come to me and, and be able to support them through a period of time versus somebody in my practice mm-hmm. when I see them come in and what in one way and you know potential you know leave in the sense of you know not needing um, therapy anymore in a different place it's it's an amazing thing um, it, there's so many rewards to this job 
there is just you know when it when when it's not money you're looking after right. for but making a difference right and that's that's the piece i mean i yeah yeah i hear you <laughs> i hear you i get it i get it all right <clears throat> i'm gonna throw you a curveball mm, so <laughs> what's been your favorite podcast oh You've talked My to so many people about so many one. things. What's been your favorite one? What what one have you continued to think about or that resonated with you for days or weeks after you had the conversation? I mean, they've all been great. I will say the one that moved me the most was the one um, with the ladies from the Tacoma Urban Native Alliance. That one was the most moving in that I learned so such an, I learned so much from it, but two people that have had such incredible trauma right. um, to be able to move through that and again serve their community in a way that is just I mean I can tear up just thinking about it. It just it really moved me and it really reminded me what community is. Yes. And um and so that one I think will will hang on me for a while. Um, Folks, that one you want to go back and listen yeah. to, <clears throat> it's uh, Colette August and Sancha Romy yep. of the Term- Tahoma Urban Native Alliance in Tacoma. Just a, Kim did a fabulous job interviewing them, and they were just incredible interviewees. Yeah, they were incredible. It was and I wish we had, like, you know, how Bill Maher does at the end and, like, like after after the cameras go off. We <laughs> actually had a great conversation after yeah. we went offline. Um, that one really – I mean, all of them are really important to me, so I don't want to minimize any of, of my not. other partners. But the other one that really hits home for me is um, with Wendy Morris um, talking about dementia because that has mm-hmm. um, personally touched me recently right. with my family. And I know that my family members have let, I've listened to it three times because I'm wanting to pull nuggets from that. So, right. um, so I really appreciate Wendy on that one. And, and I think that's partly what attracts me to the guests when I when I come across whether I meet them in a meeting um, or I'm searching for certain content and trying to find somebody to connect with to talk about it is that um, it's such a, a great platform to be able Absolutely. to have a conversation mm-hmm. about resources for our community, yep. but really understanding what motivates the person to do that work in the right. first place. Right. And so um, it's just been such a gift to be able to do this. And it's one of the highlights of me working here at LV Health to be able to do it. Well, it's been such a gift to be able to work with you mm. on this and to the community to be able to listen to it. So thank you. All right. So um, I'm going to turn the tables on you again and ask you your own signature question, your own (laughs) signature closing question, which is what gives you hope? Mm, Human spirit gives me hope. Um, No matter what situation you find yourself in and no, no matter how dark it is or how you may be around people that um, may not be, the be- in their best space. Um, I do believe that the human spirit is an incredible, resilient um, entity of, and being able to really when they fi- when find connection to something that helps pull them up 
and out into the light. I really believe um, that is the beauty of life. And so whether it's within an agency like Elevate Health or whether it's in private practice or whether I'm just walking down the street, I am always conscious of the people around me and the impact that a simple thing can make. And maybe it's just a smile or just eye contact or a hello, but I I want people to realize the ripple effect of each one of us and that um, when we are not in our best selves, knowing that that affects other people um, and that, that sometimes you can't help that, but um, to have awareness of it is a really um, important piece, but to know that there is hope and the human spirit is resilient and that um, if you just, you know, have faith in your, your fellow colleagues and, and friends and the people on the street that um, we, we can get that and get through all this together. I truly believe that. Folks, I've had the distinct pleasure of having a nice conversation today with my good friend and colleague, Kim Bjorn, the Clinical Integration and Transformation Director for Elevate Health. She is a gift to this community, and we are so appreciative of the work that you do, and um, we just love you. I love you, Rob. (laughs) All right, folks, please um, listen, like, subscribe to Elevate Health Podcast, especially Community Care Podcast Mm -hmm. uh, with Kim Bjorn. Kim, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. This Radical Shift episode of Elevate Health Podcast was produced by Robert Marshall Wells and Hannah McCauley. The executive producer was Stephanie K. Wright. Original music was composed by Riley Agee. And the podcast was engineered and edited by Riley Agee. Please support the work of Elevate Health and One Pierce by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues and by leaving a rating and review. Please also like, subscribe, or follow Elevate Health Podcasts wherever you are listening so that you'll never miss an episode.